0: The car you drive every day should be fun.
1: But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries.
0: You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul.
1: And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Well, I haven't told you much about this yet, but I called the dealership okay. about the M2. Oh, really? Yeah. I've been curious, because yesterday was the one-year anniversary of plunking down money. Come Unbelievable. On. Hello, Unbelievable. Yeah. I'm a customer. There
0: should be news. They should be <laughs> calling you at this point, yes.
1: Well, I kind of felt like that. And their response is they still really don't know much. And they're trying, and he's going to get back to me. So, OK, no problem. I understand things happen. Yeah. yeah but, but I uh, I suggested, how about if I go to Munich, if I go to the factory and pick it up there? <laughs> and he said, <laughs> huh. That that might help things. That might speed things mm. right along. Uh, let really? me get back okay. to you on that. All right. They've done yeah. a few European deliveries, and I've always kind of toyed with the idea here and there, like, man, wouldn't it be cool mm-hmm. if Yeah. And yeah. I know you can save some money. You know, of course, then the 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 money you save is instantly spent on hotel rooms and flights and food and yeah. Welcome to fuel your trip. and yep, all that definitely.
0: stuff. Yep. However,
1: Absolutely. I thought, huh. 'Cause you know, we're gonna be there in September. We and are. I thought yeah. we're going back, for mm, sure. What if uh what if I go pick up an M two at the factory and you know, we drive it up to the track? <clears throat> Nobody's ever done that before. Sheesh. Nobody's ever done that before. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well we we but we're gonna have to set up a driving trip so that you can get through your break in miles before you arrive at the ring too. We gotta figure that out. Well, yeah and, and while we're while we're having these crazy ideas, I hadn't even thought about this until you mentioned this. But I've been in the back of my mind trying to figure out an excuse for us to go to Munich because we don't I mean we don't fly in next to Munich we fly into Frankfurt and if you've right. ever looked at Germany on a map right. it's not like it's around the corner okay I've been trying to figure out an excuse to go to Munich because there is a German car rental agency that rents big American iron that Ooh. is based in Munich you and I want to do hellcat on the autobahn but they're based in Munich If we're there picking up a little M2, we could get ourselves a Hellcat and go for some Autobahn runs and have some conversation about that finally.
1: I'm just saying. If we're going anyway. Oh, my gosh. It's like the ideas never stop. You know that? They just – No.
0: No, it's right. This is like
1: the tip of the iceberg in terms of ideas. Just, oh
0: yeah! How do we do anyone, that? Anyone one? that goes, anyone that goes to dinner with us that does not want to spend most of the evening talking about cars and ideas is in for some trouble because this is kind of all you and I do. No
1: kidding, it's frightening.
0: My <laughs> wife starts. My wife will pick up her phone and be like, "Oh, it's happening again."
1: Anyway, yeah, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so glad you're back on the podcast to join me with the car debates here. Uh, you definitely deserve some time off there on the last one because of television. I appreciate because it. Because we dropped a yeah. huge video and we've been getting a lot of nice responses. Thank you for the encouragement. We're really excited mm-hmm. to share it with you and we're, we're excited for growth. And that was really yeah. what, yeah. uh, what's on our minds for both Todd and I this year in well, 2017. That was, uh, well, but
0: I want to, yeah. I want to address the elephant in the room though, while we're there. Because we have gotten, thank you, many, many of you have responded really positively that you're understanding what we're doing. What's interesting, though, I'm seeing evidence of a YouTube phenomenon, and that is Mm -hmm. a lot of people are commenting after they clearly have not watched the entire video. It's only three minutes long, and the important part is only (laughs) two and a half. But but clearly (laughs) people are watching. It's in the first 30 seconds that we talk about going to TV April 1st on Velocity. That's in the first 30 seconds. Clearly a lot of people are seeing that. And instantly extrapolating, oh, you're leaving YouTube. This is the last we'll see of you. No more content. Bye, guys. We're getting an unbelievable amount of comments like that to the point that it's clear to me those people didn't watch the rest of the video because we keep explaining all of the other outlets, including YouTube, that we're going to keep putting content onto. So it's clear to me that what we're gonna have to do is make another video in the next few weeks and try to answer some of those questions, or sadly in some cases, accusations that have come at us by saying we're going to TV and people are, I don't know the way to put it, they are assuming they know exactly what that means in every decision we've made, while also clearly not watching everything we shared. So it's it's a weird way to communicate, I have to admit. But hopefully we can shed some light in the future.
1: Yeah, I hope so too. And if uh, you haven't seen the video, please watch the whole thing because it does explain that our our deal includes the ability to – Go back to YouTube, not that we're leaving, but Mm -hmm. it it enables us to own our content and therefore we Mm -hmm. can show it to everybody at some time, even though television, as I said, it represents growth into new markets for us. There is the YouTube audience. There are many people who don't use YouTube or don't watch anything on YouTube. I know it sounds crazy. Or or haven't. (laughs) Or haven't found us. Or haven't found us. Correct. Correct. So it just represents another avenue for us and growth in an effort, our effort to expand the brand and expand to a lot more enthusiasts. That's kind of where our headspace was at.
0: Also, and, and let's let's speak candidly to dollars. I mean, honestly, yep. the, the, the crazy thing is, while Paul and I could happily argue either side of the equation, we could tell you all the reasons TV is alive and well. We could tell you all the reasons TV is dead. We could argue either side. Absolutely. You pick, that we could, <laughs> Absolutely. Paul and I could, could pick debate <laughs> sides. It could be like high school debate team. You're going to argue this point. We could do it. But the thing that isn't yeah. debatable— that, that we're kind of shocked by is that sponsors are far less interested in spending genuine money to back entertainment on the web than they are the same piece of entertainment on television. Yep. So yep. if if we can't if we can't monetize because we aren't vloggers, if we can't monetize on YouTube and we need to monetize to grow the brand, then we gotta go where the money is. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we can argue that the, the the health of television, if you will, up one side and down the other, but if If we could get paid via YouTube the way we can get paid via television, we'd stay on YouTube. Of course. (laughs) You know? I mean, (laughs) I have added a lot of extra work to my life for television because there's dollars there. I would happily not add that work if the dollars were there. Agreed. Let's do more of that.
1: You and I, neither of us own selfie sticks, so clearly vlogging is not in our future either because – we just, I search my house and I have no selfie sticks in here, so. I yeah, don't I,
0: do. I, I don't. I don't walk around staring into my phone or a camera with uh, with a visual of what's over my shoulder all the time in my life. So I just I don't have that skill. So what's what's ironic is that you and I can shoot all day and get nice shots, but if you hand me a camera and tell me to take a selfie, I can never get the framing right. It's 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 exactly. just sad. Like
1: what? My my I need wife a can take
0: my wife can take brilliant selfies all day long. I try it and it's like half of that person's face. It's never right. It just never is. <laughs>
1: I get off the airplane in San Francisco and step outside for my ride share. So Uber or Lyft, take your pick. And mm-hmm. everybody is staring down at their phone. And I deliberately yeah, sort of, it's you know, all I, I'm, I'm right with you. I'm I'm doing the Lyft thing. I'm doing the Uber thing. So I'm calling the car service and, yeah, and waiting. Yeah. And then I think, is this the future? This is what we've come to? I mean, the next strain, everybody's staring down at their phones, me included. I am right there. And I'm going, this is the future. I'm glimpsing this is how everybody will not interact. All right. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. It's a little depressing. Well, you know, it's funny. Just, you say hi to people and they're like, what are you doing?
0: There's a chiropractor that we know that I got an interesting conversation with him, a chiropractor <laughs> yeah. that I go to, and, and you as well. Got an interesting conversation with him about phones. He was talking about. From a, he's been a chiropractor for a long time. He was talking about the fact that, that years ago, there used to be something they called military neck, which I'd never heard of. But it was a recurring neck injury from holding your neck in a weird position. And most of the people that had it were in the military
1: oh. from the way that they
0: had, had to stand. Oh. He said that has mostly gone away. And the more common recurring weird neck oddity has to do with the fact we're all always staring at our laps. People's necks are mm-hmm. out of alignment because we're staring at our laps because our phone is there to the point that I've tried to actually like get it up into my normal vision a lot because it it hurts it, it we're but we're all damaging ourselves. You go into any room of people now or any line, any line of people waiting for anything, everybody is if you if you stepped away and didn't know they were looking at their phones, it looks like everyone's standing there kind of sheepishly looking at their shoes. This is what we're all doing. We're all standing in line looking at our shoes. This is the future. It's I'm crazy. You,
1: this is it. Welcome to it. And
0: and I w- and I will be the first to admit, I am in that line doing exactly that thing. Oh, I'm yeah. not saying it's a, we're we're immune. I'm just saying we're all phone
1: zombies. It's nuts. Sheesh, yeah. sheesh. Well, we've got a couple of great debates for you. We always have great debates and that's because of you guys writing into us. This was Definitely. really interesting. Matteo, this caught my eye. He is an Italian living in Berlin, and I will make a genuine effort not to make this the all Porsche podcast. There are some podcasts Please. that aren't. Please. But yep. He's got an interesting debate here. He's living in Berlin. As I said, he's an Italian. I think he's from Rome or living in Rome and then moved to Berlin. I'm in love with Berlin as a city, to be honest. Uh, the Kaiser Wilhelm Memorial Church is unbelievably fantastic and beautiful. There's a lot of great restaurants. I've spent time at the zoo, hanging out with some friends there. and. You know, they, the Germans love their beer gardens. They love their sunshine. <laughs> were, were your
0: were your friends in the zoo? Or are they being kept at the zoo? Sorry, no, when you no. said I spent the time at the zoo hanging no, out with friends there, no, I didn't. No. I heard the progression of that said to me, you were, oh, hey, sorry, you're behind bars. Anyway, go on. It's
1: actually just beautiful gardens. I mean, yeah, the animals are there too, but it's just beautiful gardens <laughs> and, you know, a lot of lunch spots. And you just sit outside and hang out and you drink beer and you you just, you know be social. So it is pretty nice. And uh, yeah, really, really dig that city. So he's living there and needs something. So he's got, uh, we'll describe that to you. But we've also got Christopher in Atlantic City. And this is notable, everyone, because he's from the Mm -hmm. June 7th, 2016 podcast. I would have to go back and look at the exact number of the podcast. But he was the original C5Z06 listener to ask us Find something better in the all-around fun, fast, light performance car for the $20,000 bracket.
0: Yeah, he was making sure we noticed that car. We talked about it on that podcast. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll get to it, but his car that he chose was totaled. Unfortunately, we're bummed to hear that, and he's back. I I love his story about how it wound its way to this car, and then he's Mm -hmm. back. Unfortunately, yes, totaled, uh, but... uh, I'm glad you're back, Christopher. I'm glad you're not throwing in the towel and buying a Prius and checking out of life.
0: And, you know. You would no longer be listening to the podcast. I, I, my my good car got wrecked. I bought a Prius, and guys, I'm now done. Exactly. Yeah, it is interesting. Be, it, this is an interesting one to revisit because – The tragic death of the car he liked, and that's got him looking around again. It is interesting how these things happen. So, And it also gets us talking about some cars that uh, that I don't think we've talked about much, that'll be cool as well. But we should dive in right up front here with Mateo, who has owned a long string of rear-wheel drive cars. That is the common thread in his cars, including, he even points out, his smart car. They're all rear-wheel drive. He's also owned a lot of motorcycles, but he realized up until recently he had never owned one thing. A pure, straight up dedicated sports car. And so he bought himself a hard top NC Miata. So it's the third gen Miata with the hard top. We're actually big fans of that car. He bought that car and has suddenly fallen in love with all things precision driving. He's taking driver training, he's buying <laughs> super sport tires. He's just, he's all about the all let's in, go baby. have a fun That's drive. Awesome. And he has surprised himself with, I really like convertibles. I didn't know I wanted a convertible. I love this convertible. So this is the twist that life has taken, but as all of us with the disease know, he's had that car for a while and he's gone, should I get something better? Hmm. This is the debate for Mateo.
1: I like this. Uh, Mateo, I read your blog and I just saw you were attending the South by Southwest Festival uh, Conference in Austin, Texas. So it looks like you were just in the U.S. in Texas. And I've heard, you keep telling me that Austin is the, you know, becoming sort of the L.A. Of, uh, of Texas. Oh, it has and been. So many people moving Austin's, there, so much tech moving there.
0: Austin's awesome. The problem with Austin is it's uh, it's a city of like 3 million now with a traffic infrastructure for one. Is it that really 3 million? That is the problem with Austin. That's when you, insane. When you, so, I mean, something like that. When Holy you try to cow. get through the dead center of downtown Austin, just brace yourself for major traffic. It's just... It has a volume of people that has that has outpaced the growth of the city infrastructure, and that's the only real struggle with Austin. Otherwise, Austin is actually great.
1: That's what I've heard. I mean, you've said there's some great stuff there. People have said, oh, you're going to Austin. They've got to go to this restaurant and go do this and see that. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, so yeah. I'm, yeah. I've never really spent some time. I've been to Dell there, but, uh, Dell Computers, but – never spent some time. But the reason he was there is because he is a digital marketing consultant. And his business is going well with an, a positive financial upside that he doesn't know what to do with. So where did he turn naturally to his <laughs> financial planner friends at Everyday Driver? Yes, clearly. <laughs> what else? I'm going to get
0: those business cars printed up, because that's a frightening reality. Yeah, keep going.
1: Step right this way, sir. We have some ideas for you. But what I like is, as Todd was alluding to, he's all in with the performance, the driving. I love that your skills have ramped up, it sounded like, Mm -hmm, and you're mm -hmm. really into the convertible thing. So, again, he's in Berlin where you know Wolfsburg is pretty much right up the street and everybody in Wolfsburg, of course, either works for Volkswagen or owns one or something like that. It's very rare to live (laughs) in Wolfsburg without working for the mothership there. (laughs) So – So he's in Germany, got loads of great cars to choose from, and he comes to us with, gosh, the only car that ticks all the boxes that I want is a Porsche Boxster. Mm -hmm. Cargo space, it's the sports car, I mean the dynamics, all that kind of stuff. But I like that you are open to other things here. And you've got a fair bit of money to spend, so €80,000. Your deadline is a a little ways out here, so it sounds like you're saving a little bit. And by the time December 2017 comes, you'll have about €80,000 to spend. Insurance, track days, upgrades, all that kind of stuff. So what Mateo's asking for is a short list of cars that we think he should drive before he makes up his mind – And if he does get the Boxster, then which engine? The S, the 718, the new four-cylinder? Should he go back to the 981? What should he do? And then should that happen, not to be too leading, but then options are a whole different discussion with Porsche. Because they do. They cost so much. And I, I don't want you to think about selling the car before you buy it, but... Honestly, if you think about the options you're going to get, the more that that mm-hmm. car has, the better resale value it will retain down the road. But think of that way true, down the road. True, but
0: that's that's, that's, but that's the that's the ridiculous Ferrari buying mentality. It is. And that's the thing uh, I admit, where you're I admit. buying for the for what it's going to be worth, not buying for what you need. And, and I, that's hate, where that. This I hate that. Conversation gets interesting. Honestly, is yeah. because when he starts talking about. It. I mean, I ha- I have to admit here, Matteo you You go back and forth on a lot of cars, and I want to touch on a few of them, but the big thing that happens almost in a circular nature in your email is you keep coming back to the boxer and I have to say that thing that Paul and I've said before if, if you guys are looking at a car you really like,
1: mm.
0: you feel like it's the car for you we're, we're happy to be here, be your sounding board, and back your play oh, but yeah. I, at the same yeah. time there's also that demeanor where a part of me goes if you're that if you 're that far down the road to this is the car for me, is there really any point to, or is there any capability for me to sit there and go, no, really, you got to get something different. Maybe. But if you're this far down the road to getting a Boxster because you want convertible, you want usability, you want essentially an upgrade from your MX-5 in interior quality, dynamic level, speed, luxury, and uh, usability. You can see, if, if you're following along, you can see pretty easily why we wound up Boxster. Why Mateo yeah. said Boxster is the one for me <laughs> and so convertible. I,
1: I don't. It, it's it's a short agreed, list of manufacturers agreed. that totally. make that kind of car.
0: That's uh, yeah. That's amazing. Exactly. Exactly. He's he's obsessed with the handling element of it, and he's actually said in here, you know, he could go Mercedes, but he feels like Mercedes are as common as a Ford F one fifty in his area. So he doesn't want <laughs> yeah, to go Mercedes. That too. He's all he's their taxis not all over that interested Germany. in in uh, you know he's he's curious about the upcoming. New BMW Z car, you know, that'll be shared with the Super. He's curious about that. He's curious if Honda will really make an S two thousand replacement. But now we're now we're shopping into fantasy realm of pie in the sky. We hope this car is coming. I don't think that's where you're shopping. I don't think that's where to be. Um, no, no. So we, you've almost talked yourself into a boxer and we and we can we can move the whole discussion to just what options do you need, which is a <laughs> rabbit trail for the next four
1: years. <laughs> totally, but.
0: There are some cars here I think we should touch on anyway.
1: I agree. And he's given us a list of things that he has been intrigued by. Mateo, you don't indicate whether you've driven these or not. But I want to start at the short list of cars that Todd and I think you mm-hmm. should go drive. Now, they're not all convertibles, so keep that in mind. But I'm looking at this from an uh, engine and chassis placement and dynamics just to okay. get a really good okay. range. And you've got some time here, which is good. So a good range before you settle on the Boxster, maybe you do find that, you know what, I I am gravitating towards something else. That's okay. I'm going to start at the M240i convertible, the BMW M240i, Hmm. 335 horsepower, and that's a convertible, too. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: I cannot ignore that car, and it's small enough that I think it's still in it's still in what you're looking for in this uh you know sort of box of qualifications here mateo
0: mm. okay
1: you mentioned okay. the jag f type and i'm asking you have you driven it it's intriguing to you and i agree that the the trunk space the boot space is not huge it's not but great but i think you'd need to go drive that car along with the mercedes gla 45 amg i think this is <laughs> this is an intriguing little beast i know you ruled out mercedes have... too but
0: I, I love that you went you went essentially to Mercedes Hot Hatch. I, I, I refuse to call that a CUV anymore. Now that we've really driven that car hard, that video is coming for Velocity first. And then, yes, it'll be on YouTube. Uh, but, uh, but, but that's funny because there is a German super hot hatch, and I love that you brought it up in this convertibles discussion.
1: <laughs> go on. Go on. Am I going to recommend a French car while you live in Berlin or live in Germany? Not necessarily. Even though we love the Megane 265 on the Nürburgring, mm-hmm. those oh, yeah. cars are oh, yeah. excellent. Oh, yeah. So I say the Peugeot RCZ-R. Matteo. I haven't even driven this car. Hmm. They're out hmm. of production, unfortunately. I don't see any future product from Peugeot that really is a replacement. However, dynamically, this is a much different car. It's actually a four-seater, if you can believe it. At least the RCZ yeah. is. I don't know about the R. Yeah. This is a crazy car, but... Just for benchmarking's sake, I think you mm-hmm. should drive it. I see where you're going. And then the last one here, it's it's not modern inside, surprisingly. But all of that goes out the window when you drive it. It's the one M. Okay. BMW one M.
0: Yeah. 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 It's not modern, yeah, would great. you agree?
1: It doesn't have Apple no. CarPlay and the latest tech and the gadgets. And you don't care. True. Nobody cares. True. Yeah. You've got your phone. Yeah. Just plaster your phone or an iPad or something right there. <laughs> You're done. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Anyway, you can see that the dynamic range, the the engine placement, all that kind of stuff, they're all very mm-hmm. very different. And then come back to the boxster and say, "Okay, is is this still what I really want?" I think these are some interesting choices that you have time to go drive over the months, the coming months, that kind of thing and then uh then you can decide on the Porsche options that you really want. How about that?
0: Well, I, I think I, I want to applaud you, though, for, for saying one major thing here. I mean, look, obviously you're the Porsche guy, and, we want, and he wants to already get a Porsche, so we're not having to take a very big trip. But I like that you're, you're really throwing down the gauntlet here and going, OK, don't just look at these cars from afar. Go drive them. Yeah. yeah. Drive them hard so you can actually understand what do I like and Why? Right, and and right. he's mentioned here, I mean, he's got a, a, his, his personal shortlist. He says uh, he's got the Elise, the 4C, the, the Audi TT, the F-Type, uh, the Mercedes. He's got those on his personal shortlist, and he kind of lists his reason, reasons why he doesn't think they'll work. But I come back to, to what you're even saying, Paul, and that is, okay, but the part of this story that I find so intriguing about Mateo is he drove all of these cars in his life that were all rear-wheel drive, had never had a dedicated sports car, and he just, on a whim almost, bought that NC Miata, and it has been kind of revelatory. It's opened his eyes to something he didn't realize he would enjoy that much. I I submit to you, Matteo, follow that rabbit trail further, because I think you might surprise yourself in some test driving. And I think do everything you can to test drive a lot of these severely, uh, and also, you say here the lotus elise you couldn 't you couldn 't live with the roof, but <laughs> I that hang was funny. on <laughs> the the roof comes out of the elise I mean the exed you have to like unbolt it, but out of the elise it, i mean that 's one of the easiest roofs in the planet to remove." Uh, so anyway, so there's that. But but you then you then acknowledge that the uh, you think the Alpha Four C will be too impractical. If you think the Four c is impractical, let me show you to a Lotus Elise, <laughs> exactly. because it actually is 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 even less so. So your problem with the Elise, my friend, is not the roof. The roof's the least of your worries. You could have a top down <laughs> motoring experience in the Elise. The problem with the Elise is. You want to talk about practicality, it is not parked in the space with that Elise. So that's the problem there. Talk about boot Um, space in
1: that car. Sheesh.
0: Yeah. I don't think think you should wait for the Z4 or the S2000. I I don't think, you know, I mean, look, that's interesting, but I, I always want to caution people of I'm waiting for blank car because, I mean, look at your M2 situation. I mean, you're not, look, you're not beating on this BMW dealer's door and determined to have the car this minute i get that and that's contributed a little little bit but you're also not kidding around you're serious about trying to get one and here you are the cars out some people have them you still don't have yours this is the problem with cars that are coming or are announced by the time you could really actually get one in your driveway especially if you're one of the people like we say all the time don't pay a a dealer's markup so now you want to get yeah, that car that everybody's yeah. talking about in a timely fashion at actual MSRP. This could be 12 months, 18 months, two years out.
1: What are you driving between now and then? Right. And it's been 12 months right now. And the other benefit is that you and I have driven it extensively. We drove the 2016 mm-hmm. M2 and we loved it. We loved it for many reasons. Sure. And so yeah, yeah. that takes the, that helps with the knowledge of, What Mm. I'm going Mm -hmm. to be investing in and what I'm going to be buying—it's not a mystery at this point. I already know I like the car. Sure, others, other reviews, Mm -hmm. ours—you know, notwithstanding—I already know that I Mm -hmm. want the car after having driven it so extensively. Okay, you know, so I know that going forward is—it's still going to be fine. There's, there's the the mystery is gone. Of, am I going to like it? Is it going to be good? Is it, you know, all those things? That's gone. So. I think that's helpful in this and, case. But and not you everybody and I, gets to do
0: you that. And I, yeah, you and I benefit from having the ability to take these cars and really drive them hard. But yeah, I yeah. still say, Mateo, even if it is – and I, I don't like these. I don't like them. But even if it is the classic uh, not-that-informative drive-around-a-few-blocks test drive, even that's better than ruling out a car – Because you're pretty sure from afar it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. Um, If if you're shopping sports cars, let's be honest, you're shopping your second sports car ever. So it's time to drive some (laughs)
1: stuff. That's a good point. That's a great point, actually. Um, Yeah, I just, uh, I want, Mateo, I want you to be able to articulate the reasons why you ended up buying the Boxster, if that truly happens. I don't want you to just say, I bought the Boxer because I think I wanted it and the end. I want you to say well I drove yeah. all this other stuff and I liked this more than the Boxster like mm-hmm. you and I would say I love the response of the Avora over the Porsche's I, I cannot mm-hmm. believe I say that but I love knowing that you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, but him it's him funny you bring articulate.
0: up that Evora, because Craig, who listens to the show, and that was his Evora, and thank you again, Craig, very generous Yeah, man, absolutely. That uh, is also a patron and all. I mean, he's a great friend of the show. But the interesting thing about Craig's story with his Evora, I love that you brought this up, is because Craig took time, like we're suggesting to Mateo, and drove everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we're talking the Boxsters and the Caymans and the 911s, and he drove, you know, the Jaguars, and all this kind of stuff that anything that fit at all overlapping in this category, he got in it and got a good test drive of it. And it was the Evora that was kind of a fringe car. And he was like, all right, I'll drive one. And it shocked him so much he bought it. <laughs> so this is amazing. what's interesting about this, Mateo. Such a cool so story. So that's why that's why we're saying uh, go drive those. Let's touch briefly, and I do want to stress briefly, because it's the pool of Porsche, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Can we touch briefly on options? I'm going to say <laughs> to you, Mateo, figure out the options you need where you said if I were to buy any car I want it to do these things I'm gonna say only get those options I know you can go nuts but I'm gonna say only get those options the only thing I would say to you is sport chrono because not because you need the clock on the dash Nobody <laughs> needs the clock on the dash. It's not necessary. It isn't. So I'm cool, sorry. Oh, it's so cool. Oh, stop it! I keep getting in my cons and Cayens with the clock on the dash, and I go, "Really, really?" <laughs> People pay anyway. extra for this. But so, but it's but it's not for that. It's because the the tuning and and Porsche is one of those brands that when you hit the sport button or you change the sport plus or whatever, there is a difference. There is a difference in how the car runs. Even all the way to my base Cayenne, the sport button actually matters, which is shocking. So I think the Sport Chrono is worth it. But otherwise, I would say go through and be sparing about what you think you will need and use because you can quickly go, oh, that sounds cool. I would like my vents painted. No,
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> we, uh, we met a guy this weekend who's got a 2013 Carrera 4 Cabriolet, and his mm-hmm. intention was mm-hmm. to go full luxury with it, which he did. Ladies and gentlemen, they hand wrap – leather air conditioning vent slats. The slats are made out of cow.
0: Yes. It it, it bothers me that yours are painted, and yet he is a whole step beyond that into actually leather wrapped.
1: Yeah. I I mean. I
0: just, I. I, (laughs) That's not done by a machine. (laughs) Let's put it that way. (laughs) But it's it's that car buying thing where whoever's on the other end of the line at the manufacturer goes, we can do that. I mean, whatever your crazy, ridiculous idea is, the car maker goes, "Sure, you want to pay for that? Here's how many commas that comes
1: with." <laughs> it's just, ugh, it is. I will say the Porsche Active Suspension Management; it does make an unbelievable difference. It's standard on the GTS, so the Boxster GTS and Cayman GTS that I have—that's a standard feature. It, I mean, the car just comes to life. I actually. Headed out today. It was 65 degrees and beautiful, and I cannot wait for summer. Mm, but day I, for it, yeah. I gave the tires some additional air pressure to get them up a little bit, so it just feels a little bit more like it's on its, on its toes. And yeah, with yeah. the sport button on, I mean, not to mention the sport plus, it is just it came to life. And I got out of the car just going, "You got to be kidding me! This is this is unreal." This is why I own this. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It really I get that. is. I get so. That. It's expensive, I get that, but I'm for the sport exhaust, the active suspension management and the sport chrono. Everything else, eh, okay. Yeah. I mean, if you can throw down, awesome, but the things that do the dynamic stuff that change the driving experience, uh-huh. that's what I'm about. Uh-huh. So, yeah, rather than the leather wrapped <coughs> air vents. I, I agree
0: Slats. with you. I, and even And even your <laughs> – look, I know you have grown, and I, and I get it. You've grown to love the fact that your, your vents are painted blue. I, I would have never in a million years done that. But I, but to your credit, if you had bought the car new, I don't think you would have done it either. Oh, no. No, I just, was, that seems the silly that,
1: to me, honestly. The
0: guy that had it in front of you paid that extra for bringing the blue outside color on the inside. And while you're at it, you know what? Get somebody to spray the vents. I just
1: <laughs> – No, I agree. I would have yeah. never specced it that way, it, ever. And he did so. Okay, um, but uh, yeah, I
0: will say in a, in a yeah. convertible, I'm going to go to one luxury in a convertible on the possibility that you do this. When we did our 50 Years of 911 film, we had a a convertible 991. That was a, and we happened to shoot one of the hottest weeks on record in Salt Lake. Oh so yeah, where we yeah. were in the mountains at like 9,500 feet, it was over a hundred degrees. Imagine what it was in Salt Lake.
1: Oh, like my five,
0: 6,000 feet lower that day. It was like 115 in town or something absurd. So we were at over 100 degrees. I happened to be at one of the hottest parts of the day. I happened to be the one actually doing the driving. So I was in the 991, and I stumbled across the air-conditioned seats button. <laughs> and I have to say, this is not something that I would just quickly hit the option box for. But if you find yourself, Mateo, driving in a lot of situations where it's going to be very warm and you want the top down... That's a luxury that might be worth it. It will have a comma in it. It just will because it's Porsche. Probably. But probably. that's one of those where when when I actually started driving that car with the the cooled seats running, and I realize lots of cars can do cooled seats. I get that. But when I started running with the cooled seats, I suddenly was like, okay, for the first time ever, I'm loving this feature. So depending upon where you're actually driving the car, maybe you add that one. But I do think it's <laughs> go through the options list and figure out what are you going to – not what not what do you want even – What would you use?
1: Biting really hard on my tongue over here. I really am. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Clamping down on that one. But yes, uh, Mateo, hope this is helpful. And uh, we always ask you to write back in if possible. And somebody did on our next car debate here. That's Christopher. As I mentioned, he had written in and we helped him find a new car. And it worked in the way that Todd and I want it to work. It's not necessarily about you go buy the car, Todd suggested, or Paul suggested. That's not what it's about. It's no. we guided you and we helped you and you got something totally different that appealed. Awesome. I feel like we mm-hmm. did something. Mm-hmm. Just like Craig's story. He drove all this stuff and then sure. the Lotus sure, appealed yeah. to him. What yeah. on earth? Yeah. That kind of thing. You know, If we can get you thinking and considering other stuff that, huh, that wasn't ever on my radar, but these guys said go drive yeah. it. So... And lo and behold, I hate it, and then that's why I got the car that I got, or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or lo and behold, yeah. I love it. You know that kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm curious yes. here, Christopher. Uh, yeah, it's uh, well. First of all, I appreciate you writing back in here because um, mm-hmm. you you did just that. You did all this stuff. You went through all of my suggestions. You went through all of Todd's suggestions. And, and drove you, them. yeah. And so drove the them. car that got totaled unfortunately was the Mustang EcoBoost. And it came yep. out of the four car comparison that you and I did. Uh-huh. But it had to be an automatic and there it was at the dealer, he was looking at it and thought, "Okay, I don't even know what engine it is in it. Let's take it for a drive." And he loved sure. it. And I loved that mm-hmm. story here. I mean, driving all kinds of stuff, you mentioned you drove the automatic FRS, which we don't really recommend. Drove the WRX automatic, right. yeah. so don't really recommend. But then you came across the 2015 yellow Mustang EcoBoost and
0: uh-huh. performance
1: uh-huh. package, the whole deal. It sounds like they were trying to move the car due to winter coming and loved it. And then you were rear-ended, slammed the car into the back of an F-250 truck. And I'm glad. I mean, first of all, we're glad you're okay. I'm glad no, no injuries. Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. never fun. Low or high speed, not fun. Um yeah, so back in the market, and uh, here we go. Back to the $20,000 level, and what is it? I mean, where are we at? Because yeah. he's got the O3 Z06, as I mentioned, Yeah, that's and the O3 Tacoma. Key. My curiosity mm-hmm. here was, uh, you think if, if Todd and I shot all the generations of the z o you'd dig it? I mean, would you would you watch it? Because I'm never going to say, we're here to find out. No, no, we're here to just go have fun. <laughs> the end.
0: And yeah, you're, you're we're a big sharing fan of the "we're here to find out" thing.
1: You're right. <laughs> well, but but
0: but you know, we have teased the fact of maybe doing a generations of the Corvette video. And and a few of you have written in, and, and uh, Christopher's one of them, saying please, please do it. And the struggle that Paul and I have had with with actually doing that one is our concern that it's just going to be a video where hey, the newer one's better than the old one. Hey, yeah. the newer one's better than the old yeah, one. That's... We want to we want to break. So so there's there's a part of me almost We're here that to says find out. it would be yeah. it would <laughs> stop. <laughs> it would be interesting to do it if we got all the special editions versus just the Corvette and talk about the nuance of the special editions. So in this case, we're talking Z06s. But, I mean, even the the split-window Stingray would be cool. You know, the very original Corvette. Some of the ones that were like there's the 25th anniversary of the third gen, if I'm not – I think I'm not getting that wrong. Just to drive the special editions to talk about it in those regards and how did it change. I think that could be cool, but, of course, you'd have to source those cars. But Christopher is practically begging us to do that film. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll Mm – we're putting it under advisement. Let's do that. But the thing I like here is that – Christopher's discussion here is his commute car. So let's not mistake the fact he has that C5 Z06. He has a Tacoma for a truck. So he has those two areas uh, covered. This is a car he wants to enjoy driving and like owning, but the reason it's automatic and the reason we can run around a lot more is because we're actually replacing a uh, buyback Dieselgate TDI Jetta that used to be in this That's role. That's right. I'm
1: glad you mentioned that. That so was the original he's just, debate there.
0: He's just hoping to replace that car with something a little more sporty fun, but it's an automatic, it's a commute car, sit-in traffic car. And traffic's where this re- this Mustang got rear-ended. So this is where this is a little more interesting. And and the thing about it that apparently I have ruined you, Christopher, according to this email, because you, uh, you went to the BMW dealer on our recommendation of liking the 2 Series and uh you wanted to drive the 228 at the time they didn't have a 228 you drove the M235 <laughs> later drove the 228 and found yourself disappointed i'm sorry sir i'm sorry because i think the 228 would have done well for you but you happened to drive that M235 i first and now you you say you want to own one at some point it's out of your budget and you're forever ruined okay so 20 grand how do we solve this
1: well i like the uh the special editions film, because then we can truly introduce price as a factor. Because we can always say, "Well, you pay oh, sure. more, you yeah. get a better car. Buy the newer car if you can afford it." Then at that point, we can really introduce. You know what? The new, the two newer cars are out of my range, but mm-hmm. budget really sure. is a thing. You can still get into that. I, I like that kind of that kind of thinking. Well, and the thing, the thing
0: along those lines, you know, just following the rabbit trail. Both the nine eleven film that we did and Icon, the BMW M three film we did what i like about both of those shoots though from our personal perspective i mean i like making those films and the audience has responded and thank you yeah but yeah, yeah. You and I invariably get surprised by at least one car in the lineup, where we just get out and go, are you noting this about that car? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would have never. Whatever. It happens every time. We just walk away with one that, even if it doesn't make our top three, it just walks away as one of those cars where we're just like, I would have never known that if I hadn't driven these back to back. That's always a nice discovery.
1: It is. And with the 911s, they're in the totally opposite category. The oldest cars are the most expensive ones. We say buy the brand newest one because it's the cheapest. You can actually get into you one. Do.
0: Actually, it, it, it's, it's a sliding scale. It's it's one generation back is the nine eleven that you can really get get for cheap. Yeah, that's, that's kind yeah. of the sliding scale across nine eleven anyway, lineup. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, go
1: on. Completely opposite with that. Well, I am not offering up a Porsche here for you. I am offering here the Mazda three, a fun commuter car for twenty grand. Huh. Okay, Mazda three, just spry. All right, All right. It's nimble. Yeah. it's yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking commuter car, it doesn't have to take the place of the Z06 here. It doesn't. No, not at all, not at all, yeah. That's my first choice. But okay. I'm, I'm okay. landing here. If you'll consider it, Christopher, I'm coming to the Fiat 124 Spider, affectionately known as the Fiatta, 160 really? horsepower with a turbo punch. Okay. I like the styling okay. better. I think you'll fit just fine. And if you keep in mind that this is now a commuter car, And it doesn't necessarily have to be the fun car, even though I think you're going to dig it. And you can get it with the automatic, which will Mm -hmm. be fine. I'm wondering. They're 22, 24. I realize I'm pushing on that a little bit. I realize that.
0: Shocking. You're pushing a Paul limiter. Wow. That's amazing. Sorry, go on.
1: Not in a huge way, but I'm just kind Mm -hmm. of thinking it doesn't need to be huge. It doesn't need to be some lumbering thing. It needs to Mm -hmm. be still kind of fun for the commute. And... Maybe just maybe it. Uh, who knows? I'm not saying it'll take the place of the vet, but maybe it just opens up a new world or new thinking or just a different experience sure. where sure. you still love the vet, but you love the the Fiat, the 124 for different reasons. So I'm putting that okay. out there. It could be a commuter car. Everyone, uh, everybody's driving it as the fun car, the winningest, bestest fun car. What if it's a commuter car? It's still fun. Sure. And sure, yeah. I inexpensive see that. I see to get that. into. 2022, somewhere in there. I'm yeah, I'm just huh. kind of thinking that's right. that's my fun commuter car. It's kind of strange, but I I'm warming to the styling more and more and more. So that's where I'm at.
0: Yeah, I know you are. I, I'm gonna have to see that car and drive it in person and walk around it a bit. I just the styling isn't working for me, but what do I know? Uh the uh I actually <laughs> want to go sniper no, shot here.
1: Everybody knows what they like, so that's okay. It's True. okay.
0: I'm going to go sniper shot here for Christopher uh, because as the more I thought about this, I thought about options. There are certainly options here, and I like what, what you're bringing up, and we're talking around all the cars. I mean, look, the reason you drove that EcoBoost, Christopher, is because you watched our four-car greatest hits piece. All of those are viable options, even in the automatic version. I mean, you know, if you're going to go automatic, those cars are I – mean, that's the category. Those cars have got good things about all of them. However, it's this, it's this BMW story that really struck me here. The fact that what you really want is that M two thirty five, so that made me land on a car. I kept coming back to it and going, you know what? I'm just going to call it a sniper shot.
1: Okay. All twenty
0: right. grand, go get yourself a one thirty five I.
1: Twenty, 20 grand, grand. There's
0: options. You can yeah. get op- There's options of that car. Sure. You're, you're, you're not getting. You're not getting the one twenty eight, which would obviously theoretically have the same problem you're feeling with the two twenty eight okay so it's not so it's it's the more powerful engine okay so it's kind of it's it's not the 1M but it's it's close it's not the little brother the full little brother to that generation you know the E90 series M3 but it's it feels related that car's got power it's quite I've always thought good, the styling though. is a bit yeah yeah I've always thought it was a little love it or hate it styling and I think it's problem and this is true even in the 1M which we really like it does feel like it's got a high center of gravity. This is me being very picky, by the way, because you'd have to drive a very low center of gravity car to even notice. I don't know that you would notice it coming out of your out of your Mustang. 135i gets the BMW problem solved without feeling like you had to buy the less powerful model. See so if you can get the M Sport pack on it. I'm just calling it right there. Just hmm. saying used, 135i, Great commute car. It'll be perfectly good in all commute situations, but I still think you'll like it. You'll like the power. If you wind up where the commute becomes a back road thing, do it. That car's going to be great.
1: I'm liking that too because, again, even though it's a commuter car, the dynamics are still fun. And that's what he's looking for here. No, absolutely. Yep. You know, he's ruled out a lot of the the greatest hits, we'll call them, that we love. Yeah. That's okay. That's completely okay. It gets us thinking away from – Huh? These are the typical hot hatch, turbocharged kinds of things. Yeah. What's yeah. different that could still, you know, check that box? And uh, that's pretty interesting. They're very different choices, dynamically, yes, all right. that kind of stuff. Very, very different. But completely. Yeah. Completely. Interesting. Car debates,
0: my friends. There's, there's two right there already. Hopefully, we've been helpful, and uh, we are we can actually move into the piles and piles of questions.
1: That's <laughs> no great kidding. No kidding. All right. James Skrella says that his friend Chris wouldn't test drive the Cadillac ATS-V with him. <laughs> Should even bother speaking to him ever again. Well, <laughs> James, you can speak to him again. I just think he's missing out. I, just the magnetic ride alone, just marveling at what it does. Twist the dial or punch the buttons, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Marvel at that and laugh your heads off about what that car can do. Yeah, it's it's something else. So, the
0: the ATS is just so much better than people think. It That's is. the thing about it, and it isn't without its flaws. It absolutely has flaws. But from a dynamics perspective, if you get a chance to drive that car on a back road. The di- I I would be shocked if anybody would get out an ATS after with the magnetic ride control and just a big good back road hard drive. I'd be shocked to find anybody that got out and went eh. I just don't think it would happen, <laughs> yeah. you know? Agreed. That, that car, Agreed. Because it's one of those cars that you just get out and you walk away from and you just think, why is that that good to drive? And it has other issues, sure, but it's very good to drive.
1: It is. Yeah. I, yeah. You don't ever have to, you know, we're not here to break up friendships. That's not the idea
0: here. yeah. yeah. Well, if, if you're coming to us for financial advice, that's about as wise as coming to us for friendship advice. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's, this is not what we're here for. We can try, but we, we may fail horribly. Anyway, yeah, that's not, that's not a bad place to start. I've got one from... Uh, from Chad, wrote in an interesting thing. I just wanted to touch on kind of in headline form real quick. I, I picked a couple of car buying ones that I wanted to touch on tonight. But Chad wrote in and said, any advice for car shoppers who are having an extremely hard time deciding what car to buy? Well, first off, isn't that all of us? And secondly, this is why the podcast <laughs> yeah. exists. Yeah. But my big thing I want to say to you, Chad, is something that I forget all the time, and I think it's easy to forget because cars are expensive and involved to buy. But Release yourself from the sense that you are buying a car that has to be in your life a certain amount of time or a car that is going to be your car relationship for five or ten years. I think that can lead to such, lead to such paralysis because, well, wait, but hang on. What if, what if I have this situation in my life and I need this kind of – stop. Mm. I, if, if you've got some cars that are on your extreme short list and, and you're literally – it's almost a flip of the coin – then pick one with the freedom of if in six months it's really not working for you, you can change it. It's much easier to change than your house or your relationship or many other things in your life. So I'm, I'm going to say give yourself the freedom to know I'll, I'll make a decision now knowing that if it's not working, I will move on to something else. Because I know I struggle yeah. with that. I struggle with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, you've always said, and I'll say it again, you don't have to fall out of love with a car to change it. Which it is just true. such a f- true freeing statement. It just frees you right up to you know go experience other things, and that's what we talk about all the time. Well, uh, what else here? Mark R's question, <laughs> he says, "When does a car get to the point of a not very streetable car?" Well, Mark, when you have to pull the lever marked "parachute to come to a stop,
0: <laughs> that's not very streetable. <laughs> You're right. That is that is the tipping point right there. I, I
1: think that's mm-hmm. yep. the tipping point. If you have to, you know, pull the chute to come to a stop at the red light, then I think you might consider something different. You know,
0: Just, when you have a built-in fire suppression system, <laughs> that's another clue. That one's also right off limits. Yep. Or
1: if your is makes fifteen hundred horsepower and it's a time attack car, yes. and the wing yes. won't fit through the drive-through, then maybe not. <laughs> Can't get over
0: speed bumps. These are all clues. These are all very good clues. <laughs> the top you're ten climbing ways over, to know, a, right? You're climbing over a cage and trying to figure out how to buckle a a four point harness while wearing a business suit. Guess what? You've gone too far. <laughs> a little, yeah. uh-huh.
1: just a scosh too far. Just, yeah. just, back it off a little bit.
0: <laughs> Bryce, Bryce wrote in on Facebook and said. I like this question. Do you guys trust a used car from a major dealership? Like, I'm at the used car Chevy dealer. Do you trust that enough to not get an independent inspection? Mm. This is a great question. I want to attack it from two angles because I think it speaks, I mean, Paul can even speak to one of the angles I want to talk about. But I'm going to say to you, as a general rule, pre-purchase inspection is a non-negotiable get one. Agreed. Agreed. I will say, I will give you a free pass in one situation, and Paul, this is true of you and your Cayman. If you're buying a car from the dealer where it was originally sold and they have meticulous and exact records of everything that's been done to the life of that car at that dealer, that might be your only exception, because at that point, all the pre-purchase inspection is going to tell you is yeah, the brakes have got this much life on them, and the tires look decent. But you have all of the records from the dealer. Whereas if you bought something at the used Chevy dealer that's actually a Nissan, and they don't have any of the records, please get a pre-purchase inspection. But you bought your yeah. your Cayman, yeah. and I think you bought it smart without one.
1: Well, yes. And the CPO thing definitely comes into play here. Bryce, great question, as Todd said. if it If it's not CPO, or it didn't originally come from that dealer, you have to go get another independent inspection. They have to understand. Otherwise, they don't get your money. Simple as that.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree.
1: But with my car, the sales department had to pay the maintenance guys to go through the checklist and perform all the maintenance, whether it was early or not. They had to replace the rear tires. They had to do the brakes. Oil change, brake flush, all that stuff to meet Porsche's checklist of CPO to be able to say CPO over here in the sales department. I know it's Mm -hmm. the same money. It stays in the dealership, but they all operate with different budgets, and the sales department had to pay that to be able to claim CPO, and it was originally that dealership. So, yeah, the guy bought it there. They knew the car. He took it there every Friday for wash and wax and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean – there were such meticulous, straight-line history records of that car that yeah. it made it a much more simple conversation than if you would have bought it
1: anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So uh, that's that's very important. Otherwise, I would say insist upon it, and you will be better for it. So your car will be better for it. All right. What else? Uh Six- or seven-year-old BMWs, wow, with eighty to 100,000 miles. Jeff D. asks, are these reliable, or do they live up to the break-my-wallet reputation? And we've got him thinking about the 1 Series, and now, mm-hmm. Jeff, I think you're thinking about it even more after Todd just recommended yep. the 135. That's true. I did. He's cursing did. us under his breath here. Did you notice? I,
0: I, think, <laughs> I think if you're going high mileage, you've just got to brace yourself for stuff that breaks. Especially if you're doing the 80 to 100. Look, that, that if if one of those cars is 80 to 100, it's because it's reached a major service interval. And the, whatever one it's reached, the person that sold it hasn't done that one yet. So figure out what that service interval costs and just be prepared that on top of the cost of the car, I need to get that service interval just done.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That's the first yeah. thing I would say. Beyond that, look, dig into the forums and find the common problems with those cars. but. Yeah, that, you're talking about a mileage where stuff will have to be replaced, so just brace for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. you just got a budget for it. BMWs are designed. They're designed to go for a long time. I've seen you know, easily 200,000-mile cars. You know they've poured sure. money into them, but they love the car. Sure. And yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. there's no reason to not. They're built for it. So why, why shouldn't you? I like Chris B's question here. When is Todd going to buy an Evo? Chris, I think I think he's going to buy an Elise or a 1M before he gets an Evo. Honestly, I still see a 1M really competing head to head with the Elise. I mean, what do you it,
0: what do you think? It is it it isn't my level of interest. The problem is that the the 1Ms that are good are 15 grand more than an Elise and I can't even swing an Elise right now. This is the problem. Well, but that 1M, I agree with you. It's on my personal extreme short list. I would love to have one. The thing about the Evo is, honestly, here's the genuine answer. If I had the budget to have two cars, one a dedicated rear wheel drive small sports car, and the other a winter beater kind of my choice, it would be the Evo. I'd just go out and buy one. It would be that's the, the beginning and end of that list for me right now. If it was just go buy an all-wheel drive winter beater car, I would say where is my Evo ten? Done.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: But that's just not the financial reality of where I am. But that's what I would – if I could do the sports car – because, of course, clearly the way I solve that is you buy the sports car and you drive it all year round and people look at you like you're strange. That's fine. I'm used <laughs> to people looking at me like, like I'm strange. I just drive it. So, yeah. Exactly. But, but if, if I had the two-car scenario, the Evo would just win. I would That would be the answer. But I'm just not there yet.
1: I liked uh, Damio's question here about our favorite song to drive to. I think it's more of a podcast playlist or a Pandora playlist at this point. But I'll say anything from Stevie Ray Vaughan for a Road Trip. I'm, mm, okay. I'm going for, yeah. Yeah, he, he's pretty up there. But I'd say probably the Pandora playlist of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Just anything in that genre. Yeah. Just
0: see what stuff strikes. Yeah.
1: Reflective. It just... Puts you in a different mood. It's just all that kind of stuff. And I will say it depends on my mood, but generally speaking, it's just got to be driving, you know, a hard driving something, you know, mm-hmm. rhythm that just, yeah, keeps you going. Just makes you think about your future and stuff in your life and just makes you pontificate and reflective and all that kind of stuff. That's you, what you're doing
0: all about. of the above right now. Bravo. I'm impressed. It's a trips music are about brand. it. It well
1: brings it out in yeah, you. You get you're into right. great conversations with friends and you get philosophical and you just – Talk about cool stuff. I love that.
0: You buy terrible food at a gas station. You regret it at the next gas totally. station. I get it. This totally. is road trips. Yep, I totally get it. Love it. Uh, Mike, Mike Honcho wrote in and said, I'm in love with the Infiniti Q50 Red Sport. Talk me out of buying it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask you this question. Uh, drive-by wire steering. That's going to be <laughs> that's, that's going to be the piece I'm just going to that that's mm. that little bit of information I just lay on the table and I just slowly back out of the room. Mm. Okay? There there's that's that maybe that's not a deal killer. Maybe that doesn't matter. There's plenty other things about that Infinity that are very cool, but Infinity is doing the drive-by wire steering and I just can't get over that hump. And we've driven some and it feels like the name suggests. I am driving something that is <laughs> responding to my steering inputs. And it is giving me a complete lack of feel. So that would be my number one reason. Otherwise, hey, th- that styling, if it works for you, I-, I see where you're going. I get it.
1: I'm willing to give that car another chance. I really am. I mean, we've driven, we haven't driven—we have driven that particular one yet. But Infinity's website calls it direct adaptive steering. Infinity's engineers have designed a digital steering system. You lost me at digital and steering. You, that's yeah, that's where i These are I'm not lost. words that
0: were supposed to be combined.
1: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I'll give it another I mean, chance, but... Yeesh. Hmm. We'll see. It's so important to us. We'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see. But but they are
0: honestly, Infinity is in that same place as Acura, where they are the unsung kind of also run luxury brands that you can get yourself a deal on a car that you can thoroughly enjoy. The Acuras I'm more prone to recommend. I like their super handling all wheel drive. Uh, they kind of sometimes have the Honda festooned with buttons and the dashboard thing, but they are—they run really well. There's a lot of car for your money. Infinity is right there. The issue is the last time I drove one, I just—and it was the drive-by-wire. I just was like, this feels like the wrong direction, even if it's technologically advanced. It just feels like the wrong direction, and that was my problem. Agreed. But that's because I'm picky about that. Yeah.
1: Well, Eric J has a question here that has already spawned a long list of replies. He's talking about oversized wheels and the trend of big wheels on cars. In fact that Porsche seems to be putting 20s on everything, even though 18s can definitely swallow huge brake systems. I agree. Sure. I mean, even the M2 comes with 19s, and the brakes are huge. They're enormous. Yeah. So yeah. it comes down to... The sketches and the styling and what the car is going to do and, you know, on and on and on. But I will point an accusing finger at Jaguar at the F pace with 22s on that thing. That Does it need to have 22s from the factory? I, I'm not sure it does. We'll see. But, yeah, you know, yeah. Porsche is definitely up there. Yes, fitting brakes, but... Uh, but that's not necessarily an issue. I'm going with look. A lot of it is style. It really is. Hugely so. Yeah. Those low pro- profile tires, they do make a difference. I mean, you and I are even talking about at the 20 inch size, just the tread, the squirm and the tread wall from, mm-hmm. you know, at that size. We could even feel it on the 20s, not to mention your 17s on your summer tires yeah. there. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I liked your debate here. Yes, I think a lot of it is style, it's not all style necessarily. It's about the what the car has to do, what it's going to be about, you know, the performance, that kind of thing. And the lower you go, you know, you're getting a low low tread profile there. That's uh, that's important. The, yeah. The,
0: theoretically, you're improving handle, you're improving handling, and you're decreasing ride as you go to bigger and bigger wheels. Theoretically, you're you're, you're increasing handling, but you know, tire technology is changing so much that I think that can be, even be debated. It's could you just have sure. like you already brought up my car? Could you have a car? I'm running seventeens. So I have a fairly for a sports car meaty sidewall on that car, and yet I get very little squirm. It doesn't feel like I'm sacrificing anything. Now that car, obviously, the FRS is not designed to be an amazing car for ride quality. I mean, it's fine; it's a sports car. But so I'm not already worried about that. I mean, there, there's all these these trade-offs. I I think, and you're talking about the Jaguar pieces, and I think that's a, a true observation here. That I would even say is like the Fisker Karma. Oh, true. That car is so much about the styling. has those big Hot Wheels rims. You're talking about, yes, styling is making it look awesome. But I also think wheel size should be connected to what does the car need to do. And I don't think that your family-running SUV needs to have a tiny little sidewall of rubber on it and a 22-something-inch rim. There's no point.
1: Mm-hmm. Well.
0: Why, why doesn't why why can't you go back to 18s and actually have a little bit better ride? I think it's I think it's marketing. I think it's sell tires. Unfortunately, those tires get really expensive. You get above 18s and tires get really expensive. <laughs> yeah, but that's way the whole market is gone because the styling looks great and you know looks really nice on the show stand. You also notice this: no like concept car on the show stand ever has wheels below about a 20. They're always enormous. They're huge. Even if it's, it's bigger thing. than they're going to be when they sell the car. Yeah. Because it's this big, shiny rim. It isn't that awesome. And then they go down two sizes to sell the car. But it looks cool.
1: I mean, it might as well be a bug zapper for me. I'm drawn in, that's for sure. But, I know. Uh, I, I get it. I get it. Know, it is a big part of that. Well, you've probably noticed on Instagram we hit 2,000 followers as of today. And we're giving away a free copy of Pilgrimage to whoever can guess how many miles are on Todd's car, his FRS. Mm-hmm. And yep. we will be contacting you. So we're going to wait for about 24 hours. And then we will be contacting and uh, giving you a Pilgrimage Blu-ray. So we're going to be doing this uh, giveaways uh, for every, what, 1,000 followers as uh when we as hit 1, 1,000
0: increments on pretty much any of our uh, social media platforms, we hit 1,000 increments. We're gonna do something like this. We're gonna start giving some stuff away. We may actually have some product we're giving away here in the future as well. We're getting into uh, sponsors that relate to the TV show, so that means we've got some product we may be able to, to, to uh, send off as well. It'll be similar things. It'll be questions on mileage, or hey, did you notice this, and these kind of things. Uh, in the behind the scenes category, our friends at Gears and Gasoline are telling us they're about a week away from dropping their Getting to Know Everyday Driver film that they filmed with us a few weeks back. We're excited about that as well. So there's in case you haven't heard there's a few things going on and <laughs> one uh, or and two. for those of you that for those of you that have not noticed YouTube will continue to be one of them so we thank you for listening to the podcast and for rating it and sharing all of our stuff and thank you for those of you that are following along with everything we do and are excited about the TV thing we hope it is the first of many
1: Absolutely we really really appreciate all your support thank you guys so much for listening and watching till next time cheers <laughs>